Whoa, dude. I just got back from Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, how much was the bail money? <laughs> no bail money was involved. Of no jail not. time. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Andre and Cole, the uh, ninja cameraman, uh, went to SEMA 2023 yes. in Las Vegas, Nevada. And managed to come back. Now, as far as we know, they're clean with no rashes. Uh, let's hope that continues. It takes time to sometimes figure these things out. Um, but while you were there, and you may have noticed that Andre is here doing a car podcast. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> because Roman and Tommy are in Japan. And uh, also because you went to SEMA and they didn't. Yes. And I didn't either. So you're the only guy to really report on what you saw there for cars. And that is exactly what this podcast is about. We're going to be talking about... Uh, the 2023 SEMA show for cars and yes. maybe sneak a truck or two in there as well. Yeah, because I also did the truck podcast mm-hmm. focused on pickups and big, big giant SUVs. But that was a whole podcast from the floor of the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I uh, kind of picked out interesting cars as well. Uh-huh. And this is also kind of about the state of the industry, right? Because we're living through some less than easy times. They're odd times uh, indeed. And they're kind of difficult. So, But still, I, in my opinion right now, I'm going to say that SEMA was buzzing. There was a lot of energy there. There were a lot of people. There was almost no empty floor that I noticed. Which you know, is like strange. last year, you yeah. and I were there? Mm-hmm. And there were a little bit of empty pockets yes. on some of the floor space in the convention center for SEMA. Uh, but I didn't see that this year. And that's really strange because, and we're going to get to this part of the story a little bit later on, uh, of all the automakers, the biggest one who isn't there or wasn't there was Stellantis. And normally, Ram, Jeep, and Dodge have huge huge booths and a huge presence there. So the fact that they weren't there yet, they filled up all that space. And they pulled out, what, two weeks ago? So, I mean, not much time. So I'm pretty sure that the folks at SEMA probably gave some bargain discounts on, you know, booths for other people. But there's some good news. For aftermarket lovers, that means that coming out of, you know, everything with the pandemic, more of these companies feel confident enough to go back to SEMA. So that's actually some good news mixed in with the bad. Yeah. And SEMA is really an industry organization, but they're trying to expand their reach into consumers, right? Mm -hmm. So you and I and everybody listening and watching, uh, because, so SEMA Specialty Equipment Manufacturing Association, right. right? It's basically taking care of kind of the aftermarket space of the automotive world. Um, and they help companies, you know, get certain, you know, information, certain tools, enable them to make new products, uh, stay certified and legal. Right. Right. But, but this world is changing fast, right? <laughs> it sure is. Um, there's a couple uh, things that you should probably know. So you, you, at the very end of that, you mentioned keeping companies, making sure that they stay legal. Yes. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, were you there with me? Um, we were at the show, and all of a sudden, a bunch of uh, police officers and some feds walked onto the floor and escorted two different booths off the floor. I remember this, mm-hmm. but this was a different legality Uh, That I was referring to. (laughs) I I know. But it's just that this is the type of thing that actually happens on the floor. This is... What was the root cause of that? That was... That was these two uh, companies were um, 
were there under false pretenses, and this, the items that they were showing were not well, like copies of other exactly, items. Exactly, they're knockoffs, yes. and so and they were certain items like you know I don't know if it was helmets or seatbelts or what, but something to that effect. And they were not considered uh, federalized. More importantly, they did not pass any safety requirements. So they basically, they were just pawning off, you know, cheap knockoffs and stuff that could really hurt, you know, citizens who buy them. So uh, anyway, um, but I wanted to get to another point here. Yes. Which is uh, the whole purpose of SEMA is to get these components out to the public, regardless of the size of the company that builds them. So... As small as a mom and pop place that are building scabbards for knives, which can, I guess, be part of the auto industry, and they actually do have things like that there, all the way up to people who are building crate engines and all the way up to automakers. Because more often than not, an OEM will go out there, uh, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, you name them, and they will go and display either a new car, a concept, or both. Uh, oddly, this year, not so much of that, but we do have two different sides of a coin. Mm -hmm. We have what could be very expensive power and very cheap power, both demonstrated by automakers. Yes. So actually, Toyota was there in a big, huge way. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were probably, I would like to say, one of the only original equipment manufacturers, OEM, mm -hmm. so basically a traditional legacy automaker that was there in a huge, huge presence. You know, Ford had a couple of booths, um, not the same space they used to have. Yeah. Um, and GM wasn't there. I think Toyota took Ford's old space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of central in the central hall, kind of a large, large area over yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and then Honda didn't have a huge presence there either. But they made Nis a comeback. They weren't yeah. there before. Right. They've been gone for years. And Nissan was there too. Yes. So, so. And, and then there was also a lot of integration of brands. You know how General Motors now works with AEV, mm -hmm. right? So um, there's a GMC Sierra Grande truck, that concept, was at the a AEV booth, actually. Uh -huh. And then uh, Ford started working and integrating with ARB. So, right. So they showed a couple of um, off-road vehicles there as well. Which would be the Bronco and the Ford Ranger. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Actually, the Ranger story I wrote up, uh, you can see it at alltfl.com or tfltruck.com. And what they did is very similar to what um, AEV is doing with General yeah. Motors, where they're doing full builds and they're specific to the vehicle. So, for instance, on the Ford Ranger, the bumper, I think, looks fantastic. It looks like something that Ford built for their vehicle as opposed to having an automate or having a someone else come in and build for the automaker so this is very similar to what gm is doing and i have a feeling that this is the new battle this is the new war yeah and and, and it's it's also exciting to see competition yeah. lifts all boats right it does indeed so um there was a lot of that so um even though we didn't see like a brand new vehicle unveilings from the manufacturers, we saw a lot of very cool builds mm -hmm. and a lot of energy was still there. So it's not like we're declining. I didn't feel like that. I felt like there was a lot of good energies there mm -hmm. and smaller companies, like you're saying, had a voice, you know, and they could be present at this show. That's one of the attributes of SEMA. Now, for those of you who are wondering, perhaps you're listening or watching this and saying, uh, this isn't a public event. You're correct. Technically speaking, SEMA is not a public event. However, Unless Friday. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So they recently, over a couple of years ago, opened up a special day, Friday, which is also known as Horror Day or Black Friday, 
because for people who are in the business of journalism, having more people show up while you're trying to film and do your thing there is horrible. It makes it so hard to do. But for regular, and I mean regular, like non-journalist, it's great because you're, then you have access to the floor. Tickets are not free. No, um, and, and this year they're even expanding it. They have a concert. I mean, very many big names, huge names. Imagine Dragon. Taylor uh, Swift. I don't think Taylor was there. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, very no, uh, very big uh, band names and musicians <laughs> are also coming to yeah, I, to help to help promote SEMA. And there's also there's a raffle. They're giving away a, a vehicle. There's a ridiculous amount of money that goes into SEMA. Yeah. That's true. So what are we looking at here now? This looks like a Ferrari <laughs> Testarossa, but not. Nah. Yes. So I wanted to bring this up. And then um, also in this episode, uh, I have an interview with a, a gentleman from Nissan, mm-hmm. uh, Carl Phillips. And he's a friend of the show. Yes. Um, also, I can show you actually video from the show floor of the Mustang FP800S, which right. is their supercharged new Mustang. Now, it's a supercharged Mustang, which has this enormous supercharger. But in addition, that particular one is a concept. So the, the supercharger is for real and you can get it. But the concept is uh, a lowering kit, body kit, suspension brakes, a few other things that make it into a better performing vehicle. And that was on the show floor, and that's what he was able to cover. Yeah. But um, the reason why I'm showing you a picture of a super, super customized Ferrari Testarossa, some people actually, I think one of you guys, uh, the listener coined it, the Tesla Rosa. Um, oh. It has nothing to do with Tesla, really, but it is electrified. Oh. So I, I know electrification is a tough subject at this time because there is a lot of controversy around it. But, and I was surprised by this, Nathan, mm-hmm. um, the electrification area was called Future Tech this time. Okay. It, it wasn't like EV land or anything like that. It was called like Futuristic Tech, and it had a lot of people in it. Yeah, like actually walking around, learning things, checking things out, looking at different solutions like electric axles or electric motors, right. batteries. Our friends from Legacy V were there. We've done a couple of projects with them in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was at the Legacy EV booth. Uh, this is a built by Gas Monkey Garage. And they actually took a Testarossa and chopped its roof off. And gave it an electric heart it instead is of an engine. Sacrilege in so many ways, and I don't mind electrification. I think it has. I think I think the automotive world has a place for it, and I know that there are a lot of people. I have friends over at ECD, and that's East Coast uh, Defender, and they basically and they were there at the show. Yeah, they take Land Rovers and whatnot, and they'll put you know big V8s in them, or they'll sometimes put a, a powertrain from a Tesla in them. And I know that, that there's a place for that. I'm totally fine with that. But then my skin starts to crawl just a little bit when I see somebody take a classic Ferrari that I grew up with, wanting to be hanging with Crockett and Tubbs, and I see them chop the roof off of it and then turn it into an electric vehicle. I'm sorry, but it just makes it really hard to look at. But this is the point of SEMA, right? Having these crazy, wild, weird concepts and... The cool thing is about it, there's always like a, a little kernel of truth with every wild, weird concept out there. That's the point, I think. For instance, some of these, you know, massive trucks that are lifted and lowered at the same time, which is still a crazy conundrum for me. 
There may be a point to it. Maybe it's an axle that they have that's you know special that you can order or an exhaust system or chrome plating or whatever it might be. And in this case, I'm pretty sure that they had some sort of cooperation with, um, well, as you mentioned, with uh, Legacy, EV, Legacy yeah. EV and the way they build electric uh, powertrains. So there's always a connection there as a kernel of truth that leads up to these builds. Yeah, and there's a, let's say you're re, um, restoring something, right, mm -hmm. in your garage, and you're faced with a choice. Do I rebuild this engine? Mm -hmm. Let's say you have, maybe have a straight four or V6 or V8 or whatever have you, and or maybe you are not familiar with rebuilding engines. Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe you would like to go another route. Maybe you would like to buy a little electric motor and, and stick it in there. Mm -hmm. um, but the, as we found out, the biggest costs of electrification of any project is battery. Bingo. And this Ferrari, well, actually, I did a whole video about this. We uh -huh. published that. Um, so check out oldtfl.com for everything from SEMA. Mm -hmm. uh, Cole and I published several videos and several stories from there. Uh, the devil is in the details, you know, actually putting the battery in there in the right places. So you have weight distribution, you have to wire it all together. There has to be a coolant system for the battery. Right. Uh, and then you have to connect it to the central brain. So the throttle works correctly. And so it's, it's, it still has a lot of involvement. It's complex, but the good news is the systems are becoming more and more plug and play. There are all these kits that exist now to where you can essentially yank an engine out of many different cars, not all, and plug in an electric motor right onto the transmission in some cases. And as long as you have a good location for the batteries, you have almost everything you need in the kit to turn this vehicle into an electric one and to do it in a very short amount of time. And the best part, I guess, for electrification is that you're not, you don't have to swim in pools of oil, right? You don't have to worry about uh, gasoline leaking out of it. You do have to worry about fire, <laughs> that's for sure. So there, there, there's like benefits, obviously, there, and there's also detractors. But I have one word for you, Andre. Yeah, what's up? Buhanka. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah, you were talking about having something that's old that has whether or not you want to fix the engine or it's, replace it. It's I am facing this conundrum. At this moment, if you said like this month, mm -hmm. uh, I would answer that electrifying a Buhanka would be too expensive. Okay. So what I kind of want to do is I want to hang on to my Buhanka. I almost sold it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was a rumor, and that was true. I was selling it, yeah. or I tried to sell it. It didn't work out. It, the deal fell through. Yeah, he offered you gold watches and fish. No, uh, close. Okay. But um, I want to hang on to it a little bit. And uh, so the reason, the way I see the future is like in the one or two years, mm -hmm. prices will come down again. Yes, on these components that we're mm -hmm. talking about, motors, batteries, maybe even the simplification of these systems, right? Mm -hmm. That'll be a little bit easier to connect and because they're working on this cons consistently. Right. So so I want to wait a little bit. Okay. I, I, and then maybe one year I can bring my Buhanka to SEMA. Would that be sweet? It would be awesome. And you would have, as far as I know, the only electric Buhanka in existence if you did it. Or the only Buhanka at SEMA. How many other Buhankas do you think I've seen at SEMA? You know, it's possible one somehow showed up, but I don't think very many. Well, not this year. I, I mean, I didn't walk every square foot of the show, but right. I did not notice any Russian, Soviet, 
Didn't you uh, uh, get fans. yelled at at one point because you were driving it around and some guy, some random commenter is like, thanks a lot, Andre. Now the prices for Bohankas is going to go up. Yeah, like I affected the market. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if you bring it to SEMA, you're going to have two or three comments saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Toyota was there in the big way. Yeah. Um, so they showed a special anniversary edition of the Supra. They had a racing version of the GR86. They had another version of the uh, GR86. These are all production vehicles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these are the ones you could, or, well, the racing version is just for racing, right? right? right. So, But you could still buy one, mm -hmm. and you could actually field it in a, in a racing series. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, Toyota and Lexus. Lexus was into off-roading. Um, so I, I did another video from the Lexus booth. It's like the first uh, LX 600 uh, well, off-roader? Well, or yeah. They had the, 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 the slightly modified uh, LX 600. They had the slightly modified the new GX 550, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually not quite on sale yet, but it's coming on sale very, very soon. Right. And then they had three customer builds, you know, actual owners that have their own GXs mm. that built them up a little bit. So the, they went now all in on camping, Overlanding and off-roading. You know, last year they did as well. That was last year was when they were doing the the what was it the trail doggy road hound what what was that called the trail over trail whatever no. their 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 trail. Well, thing last was. year it was kind of two two prong approach because they had like a high performance car yeah version and then they had an SUV. You know, they had a couple of SUVs. Yeah, but then they have like a Sequoia, but a special version of it, or a Tundra, a special version of it. <laughs> Yeah, they had a few Sequoia builds and yeah, a few, few like Tundra builds. And I think they had an LX 600 even last year Yeah, uh, over there built up. But this year, I didn't see any performance cars in the Lexus booth. Hmm. It was all about kind of lifting and putting a little bit more off-road worthy tires. And um, they're also integrating, they have a new system, um, Associated Accessory Program, they call it, mm -hmm. AAP. It's kind of like Mopar, mm -hmm. right, where you can actually fold in a few products, even from other companies like Yakima and Prince Racks and some other items into when you're purchasing the vehicle, you're going to combine it all. Right, right. I got you. So um, I, it's interesting. I think that Lexus slash Toyota has finally gotten the note. They've been playing with him a little bit before where they'd say, yeah, we might think about more off-road worthy versions of Lexus trucks. Now, especially with the introduction of the new GX, it looks like they're pretty damn serious about doing it, which yeah. I think is great. Oh, there you go. Look at you. <laughs> hanging on the side. For those of you who are listening, he's hanging on the side of a GX. That's uh, probably a $100,000 vehicle with all the goodies on it. Look at you, mistreated. Well, I, I was trying to test the uh, rock slider, right? Because <laughs> uh, I was looking at it, and I, you know, you need a really strong rock slider if you're going to hit a rock with it especially if you're going to hit a rock with it with what you did with your poor uh, tundra oh my gosh yeah we got to watch that video guys on um tfl truck he turned a step into a rock slider it was awesome twice well it's not quite a rock slider but i i bent it up so it's now closer to the bed i think to, it's, to an, the, it's the, now the a rock slider okay. it's great but anyway the point is sorry but, Bringing your attention to yet another series that we've put together for cheap Toyotas. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, they have a Prinsu roof rack already mounted on this new GX. It's a good-looking roof rack, I dare um, say. They have some other items, like Pelican boxes. Mm -hmm. They have a rock slider down below. That's actually a genuine Lexus accessory. Right. So they designed it themselves. 
They also had something interesting. Uh, you, you can't really see it here, but they had a mirror underneath the GX, mm -hmm. and you could see the skid plate that Lexus designed just for under under the belly. So you're telling me that what I'm looking at, this is this part plastic, the very front under yeah, the Yeah, the front is plastic, but underneath, they actually have a really, really tough skid plate. That's awesome, and at the same time, I really wish <laughs> that they would replace the plastic up there and make that all part of the skid plate. I mean, if you're gonna fake it, why not just do it, right? Yeah. Especially for Lexus. It's, it's actually with Stealthy. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think Lexus is kind of that little bit Stealthy brand where everything is very nice and very, kind of really well integrated, but then underneath you have some beef. I, I'll give well. them credit on that. I also like the, the new, I hope this the new grill design goes this direction where it's not as in your face as it used to be. Because remember the, I mean, the previous generation uh, GX and LX, how absolutely oversized the spindle grill was. It was just, it, it was yeah. just too much. Yeah, totally. Way too much. And also it was hanging down a, a million miles. Right, this way yeah. you, it doesn't look like you have a problem really with your approach angle. By and I have, we still haven't driven the new GX. No, or the new it, that's coming really soon. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's coming really soon. I, so. I really hope so. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. Uh -huh. So uh, where should we go? Should we go to well, Nissan or Ford? I think we should start with Ford and then move to Nissan. I'll okay. tell you why. Okay, why? Because the Ford system, uh, now we're, are we doing trucks again, my friend? No, are no, we? no. Uh, I don't have a picture of the Mustang, oh, but we okay. could, how about we could transition to Ford and look at the Mustang? Okay. So uh, we are transitioning to Ford now. Ford had three vehicles really on offer. Well, technically more because the also they had the Bronco Sport. Yeah, exactly. With, with the build. Exactly. But um, essentially, what they were were they were they were modeling concepts. But these concepts had a lot of components that you can actually buy and put onto the vehicle to make something very similar to the concept that they have. Exactly. So that's the Bronco. That's the uh, Mustang. Bronco Sport. Bronco Sport, and of course the Ranger. Mm -hmm. And now because. We're not talking about trucks as much. Mm -hmm. How about we run my little walk around of the new Mustang supercharged car? All right, let's check it out. Check this out. Uh, we have to talk about this car from 2023 SEMA because it's in Ford's booth and they're calling it the FB800S concept, but it's featuring something that you will be able to buy very, very soon in 2024. We're talking about the latest generation Whipple three liter supercharger so it's pretty massive and it's sitting on top of a five liter coyote v8 and 800 number if you can look at this dyno chart refers over there to the horsepower level that's possible with this engine if you see the red line and the blue line is the torque line and here's how it looks as far as the torque just over 600 pound feet of torque at about what 40 500 RPM. So this is a beast. Ford is really, I mean, they're doing a lot of different things. So let's walk around this a little bit more. You can see the wheels. So the, less, the rest of the car is kind of a concept. The powertrain selection is something that they want to actually sell so you can buy it. We don't have a price yet. Let's come over this way. Let's come over this way. But they're saying 2024 will be available. They also have something similar happening with the F-150. So let's, let's walk over this way. Um, they have the FP700 package on their F-150. And that starts at the, just under $13,000 that comes with a lowering kit and wheels and some graphics. So maybe they'll do something similar here. 
and it's able to be, you actually can get it from the dealership. So the dealership will install it. Uh, well, we can see some of the other engine parts here on this stand. Sorry, that car is being, was being mobbed by people. I mean, it's really, uh, a lot of people are taking notice of that. Why? Well, we've seen a supercharged Mustang before, but actually this is something that comes with a warranty. You'll be able to buy it at the dealership. And, and also they're considering offering it with a manual transmission. The car you see there has a manual transmission or automatic. So we'll have to wait and see how much will it cost. It could be near 13,000. Ah, so very important. First of all, I like the white wheels. Yes. They look cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of black wheels. I'm not either. Because I, it's I, kind of hiding the wheel. Yeah. It's hiding you, it. If you have a cool design, you want it to be seen, right? Yes. And also chroming them nowadays, I, I think that's kind of no. passe. No. But making them like a certain uh, color that complements the body, I, I love doing that when it's done right. And it was done right. I think this is a probably – I like this Mustang better than that nightmarish monster uh, – you know, thing that they recently built for Mustang. Oh, the GTD? Yeah. The, this like $300,000, like it, a bonkers car. Right, right, right. That goes beyond, I mean, I, it's, I'm sure it's amazing, but this, this Mustang looks more obtainable. Yes. Even though it's still going to be stupidly expensive. And uh, here's one of the reasons why. They have a supercharger kit in there now. It's a three liter supercharger. Whipple. It is a Whipple. And it means that you're putting out over 800 horsepower when it's properly connected. And you know what? They had a manual transmission in this concept. You can get can a you new, imagine this? So you can either get the six-speed manual or you can get a 10-speed automatic transmission. I, uh, I love that. Can that you imagine huge. shifting that thing? Yes. Uh, uh, I want. <laughs> I want. But, but you need to go to the gym and, like, exercise your legs. Nah, I'm sure so. it'll be fine. The clutch is probably really light, like a regular Mustang, which is a relatively light. You know, I'm sure it's a performance clutch, but still, pss, come on. Okay. Look, I did it in a Hellcat. I can do it in this. So uh, the only thing that upset me about this Mustang mm. uh, news piece is that they don't have the exact price for no, the supercharger. No, they don't. Uh, but they've done this with the F-150 just recently. And I think it was the same supercharger, am I correct? But yes, except different power levels. Right, of right? course. Truck versus car, right? Right, right. Um, so the truck had a little bit less horsepower, well, 700 <laughs> approximately, which is still insane. Uh, but that package was like 12500 to start for the F-150. <laughs> so if they keep this Mustang package in the same neighborhood, you, you might be looking at 13000 or, or more or more dollars with some options, right? Um, plus, you know, the dealer might be sneaking in some fees on top of that somehow. Well, for one thing, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, it has to be a Mustang GT, cannot be any other uh, Mustang. That's the first yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a 5-liter V8. It's got to be for the 5-liter V8. Uh, it has to be installed by either an ASC certified tech or Ford tech. Can't be That's any. Dealership. Yeah, you can't just go and bring it home and wrench on it yourself unless you're uh, actually, you know, certified. And it's warrantied because of that. That's right. So it's warrantied. That's the good news. Yeah. And it's more than just putting on a supercharger. So there's a lot of other additional components that go into it. That's dealing with everything from the ECU to the uh, to cooling. So all of that goes in there. Now that is just the supercharger. So you're 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 suddenly nuking the vehicle, and once you're adding all that extra power. Then you have to find good luck ways. With that. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Putting that power to the ground and also making it actually handle if that's what you want. That was the reason why this kit uh, and actually a concept was produced for the auto show, what you just saw. 
because they want to harness all that power in the most reasonable way and also make it look cool because the front end and the rear end, all that arrow is done for that concept. I'm willing to bet that a majority of those components are or will be available for uh, Ford. From, for, I, from. I, Yes, uh, I would say so. And actually, Ford is pretty good about this. Um, they have a pretty good di website for performance where mm -hmm. you can kind of select and pick different components. Right. Sometimes cos cosmetic, sometimes real performance parts, even for trucks and cars. So that's pretty nice. That is pretty nice. Now, there was also a Bronco there and a Ranger, and they're very similar uh, in terms of the components that they received as well because, once again, we were talking about the difference between what AEV does for General Motors and what ARB is doing with Ford. And it's a very similar thing in terms of uh, augmented suspension, tires, wheels, all that stuff has been beefed up with a lot of the components coming in from, of course, ARB and making these super off-road capable vehicles. Once again, components that I'm pretty sure you will be able to get from Ford in the very near future because it looks like a partnership that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And then, and then of course, at SEMA, there are things that you could not get from <laughs> in the near future unless you build it yourself. And I'm looking at the VW Bug with, I think these are 54s? Well, they're nearly as... Uh, wow. So I'm 6'3". Yeah. <laughs> and I am... I am, the tires are almost above my chest at this point. <laughs> those are massive. So this is a rock buggy, for those of you who are listening to this broadcast. Rock buggy that has a Volkswagen Beetle shell. I'm pretty sure there's not a 14 or 1600 um, cc air-cooled engine trying to push that. Am I correct? <laughs> there's, there's probably something beefier. I would yes. imagine a V8 of yeah. some sort or something yeah. like that. And uh, uh, so yeah, there are crazy stuff like this, and this is why SEMA is also pretty fun. Yeah, right? just just walking these around. crazy builds. But it's entirely possible that when this build came along, it could have been the wheel manufacturer or the tire manufacturer that was part of this, which is why the build was established. Could it, it could be any number of things? Honestly, yeah. I can't tell from this distance what you know. But this actually looks like it's a competitive it's a rock buggy to me. Yeah, it, it could be. I, I didn't talk to the builder. I couldn't get a, a little bit of time. But this also is a collaboration of many sponsors usually, right? Yeah. That's that's what usually Precisely. happens. For example, like Yukon gears and axles. Mm -hmm. You need some big axles to support <laughs> these tires, right? <laughs> so, so there's stuff like that. There was another bug I saw that was a dually. That's barely a bug, my friend. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's a stretch chassis with a big V8. And it's the got front. Uh, big wheels and tires, and it's got dual tires in the back. Well, that attracted you because you thought, truck! Yeah. And you went running over there, and you realized it was a car, and you were bummed. Yeah. But then, so let's ground ourselves a little bit, and let's come back to Nissan. How about yes. that? Yes. Now, Nissan's very cool with SEMA so far because they're bringing in, their booth is nowhere near as big as Toyota's big surprise there, But right? bigger than before. Right. Bigger That's what I year. heard. Yeah. Last year's was pretty good size, and they had some interesting variety there, there as well. Like, for instance, they had a um, Nissan, um, what was it, the Aria, but they had like a woody version of it with like smoothies uh -huh. and, you know, wood fake wood paneling yeah. on it. And it looked kind of cool. Um, but this year, there, there's a lot more race involved, including an off-road Z. Yeah, so this is a Safari Z project uh, concept that they brought. Mm -hmm. um, and I already have a video kind of dedicated to this. I spoke with Carl Phillips from Nissan. He's really a fun guy to talk to. He's very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And this is an homage to a 1971 Z car that actually won an East Safari, Safari Rally. 
in Africa. Yes. And yes. I actually had a model of that car. Really? At home. Yep. I think it was Testers or one of those. And at the time, I, I, this is back like in probably the early 80s, I couldn't figure out why there was this off-road worth looking, you know, thing. It was just a, you know, plastic model. Yeah. And I remember building it and I had no idea what the whole safari thing was. I was just learning about what the Paris Dakar rally was all about. At the time it was actually going, you know, into the desert and yep. going through Africa. So seeing this was was like, oh my God, this brings back my childhood. So it's very, very cool that Nissan did that. And I think they're beginning to see the light when they go back to their past with some of their retro stuff. For instance, what they did with their pickup truck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for example, hard body That's package, exactly right? what I'm talking about. Exactly. So this is quite interesting. Even though you probably may not be able to buy a lift kit for a Z car, <laughs> anytime soon from Nissan. Right. But, for example, the wheels were designed in a way that can be productionalized. Mm. So if you like the wheel design on the Safari concept, you can grab that. The skid plate may not come, but it just shows what's possible, right? Sure. Uh, and then there's another vehicle that they had that I, I did a in- whole other interview about. Ah. This was the Sentra, okay? Right, but this is a special Sentra. Yes, not any Sentra. They called it the DET concept. What does that stand for? No idea. Dual overhead cam, electric, electronic fuel injection. That's the E. Mm-hmm. And the T, turbocharging. Turbo. Yes. Okay, but this is not an SER. This is no. not something that's production. This is a special it was a concept. concept. Yes. Right. So there's how one about more this? thing before we go to this. Yeah, what's clip. up? What's up? It's also a manual transmission. Yes. yes. And I had no idea. I, I, I didn't look into this before the show. Uh-huh. Our friends north of us in Canada uh-huh. get manual transmissions? What? Yeah, I know. I know. Canadians and all your Stephen, good luck. I'm talking to Stephen Elmer right now. <laughs> I'm sure what are you watching. doing? Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So let's check out this clip. Carl, I know Nathan and Roman would really appreciate seeing this. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm with Carl from Nissan. Hi. And what we're standing next Andrew. to is your Sentra DET concept here at SEMA. Yeah. So what is it? All, what is this all about? So the inspiration for this car was really the Sentra Cup Series that Nissan Canada has, their race series, which we thought was just really cool, bring some excitement to the Sentra. Uh, and we thought, well, what if we kind of took that idea and went to the next level okay. right, for the SEMA show? So uh, we, we built the DET concept. DET, a bit of a throwback, right, to, you know, dual overhead cam, electronic fuel injection, turbocharging. And turbocharging. Yeah, a bit of a throwback to, for, for guys who were into Sentra, you know? So, and, uh, yeah, a quick story. I was at the hotel today, and I saw in black, and it looked pristine, a Sentra SER Spec V just rolled by me. Wow, nice. Was, were you driving that? No, I wish I was, because <laughs> there are not many of those left in good condition okay. these days, right? So this and, is kind of hearkening back to that, Yeah, absolutely, right? right? Yeah, trying to bring a little bit of excitement back to the Sentra. Okay, well, let's pop the hood, because okay. this is a concept part, part of this, right? Absolutely. As you can see, we've got some louvers we put in the hood to take some of the heat out, because inside we have... A turbo. A turbocharged, fully built MR20 engine. So. Uh, you know, the we took the stock motor out and went through it, and we worked with the guys from Moto IQ who did the engine build for us. And so, pretty much from the bottom up. I mean, the crank is still the stock crank, but it's got custom rods and pistons and uh, an adapter plate to run additional secondary fuel injection or injectors, mm-hmm. right? To keep up with the turbo, we got a turbo kit, intercooler, 
Uh, it's running MoTeC uh, ECU to make all of this work together. Because obviously this is a one-off concept yeah. vehicle, not a production. So the Cup Series cars in Canada, what, what's powering those cars? So they use the MR20 with some MoTeC tuning, but okay. they are not turbocharged. Okay. And those cars are also available, or in Canada market, you can get a manual transmission as well. Correct. Correct. And so uh, we don't have a manual available in the U.S., so we did a manual swap uh, with the using the parts from the Canadian car. Okay, that's so very cool. And also, tell me a little bit about like the tire and suspension. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, those elements. So uh, it's sitting on uh, our custom set of Nismo coilovers. Uh, as well as a set of uh, prototype Nismo sway bars. So, you know, those are parts we are studying for production, right? They're fully production intent. Okay. Um, we haven't launched them yet. And then the wheels you're seeing, we've got black on this side, bronze on the other. These are our new uh, Nismo LMRS six wheels in an 18 inch fitment. And these are going into production. So obviously- Both, both colors? Both colors. Okay. Uh, obviously here for front wheel drive application, but uh, we are also doing this wheel for rear wheel drive applications like 370s, 350s, the old R32s and such. Well, it's very cool. I mean, uh, I, I, like I said, so we're doing Best of Vegas uh, show here for our car podcast. And I'm sure Roman, Nathan and myself included, we appreciate those little, you know, little turbocharged or high-performance sedans. A turbocharged tidbit, right? Yeah. In the midst of all of this. Yes, so I really appreciate your Excellent. time. Andre, great talking to you again. Thanks right. for coming by. Thanks a lot. All right, well, first of all, we did have a Nissan Sentra SER that had a manual transmission Dude, I was trying to think ago. back. Uh, I'm talking about like early, like 2000. Oh, like, that's like way Like 20 back. years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, can we go there? Sure. I mean, I was uh, just a young lad. Okay. <laughs> I was graduating college uh -huh. and I loved those things. The one of the original SCR spec Vs. Yes. And you know, I don't know if Nissan planted this or something else happened. I was walking out of my hotel Tuesday morning to go to SEMA and a immaculate like 2000 SCR in black with silver wheels just rolled by the hotel. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> and and then I saw the show and I and I asked Carl if he planted that, and he said no, he did not plant that. Uh-huh. And, and he was uh, giving, so. did you wink? No. Okay, okay. So, um, pretty cool. Once again, like the wheels could be productionalized. Mm -hmm. um, the turbocharging, it's, so the, the beauty about the Sentra is that it's affordable. Yes. Right? It's about, it's under $22,000 to start. I was just looking Which at the Which is one sheet. of the least expensive vehicles in its class. Yes. So if you imagine, you know, that's a big value proposition. So if you need a new car, you can go there and purchase a Sentra. Mm -hmm. But if you turbocharge it, all of a sudden, you're moving that price way up. Sure. So you may not find as many customers. But, but I wish they would consider that still. Well, this is what happened last time. Remember, they had a, a Nissan Sentra uh, Nismo and it had like a manual transmission and it had a beefed up suspension, nice wheels and tires, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And nobody bought it. I mean, I, I know you guys are out there, you three owners are like, oh, I, I did. Well, yeah. Not enough did to substantiate a vehicle like this in our fleet. Frankly speaking, Americans just don't like to buy manual transmission vehicles to begin with. In addition, uh, sedans, yeah, not that popular right now. So it's a real shame. I hate that because I used to love those 
vehicles. I loved in the 80s when Nissan, just in the late 80s, started adding a little bit of extra pep to the Sentra and doing something with it. By the way, here's a funny thing. Uh, I believe it's going to be either on Classics now or Car, um, but you'll definitely find it on alltfl.com. Brendan and I saw uh, a second-generation Nissan Sentra over at the auction, and we drove it around and did a little review on it. Is it... Was it the standard one yeah, or a right. souped-up one? No, it was very standard. Okay. It was and it was very old and tattered, but very cool. And you, you know that it, it was a '87, and those were the years when I was in high school. So for me, it was just like, oh my god, I'm looking at my past, which was really cool. Anyway, going back to the Sentra, it would be awesome yeah. if Nissan were to do something with that performance-wise. But let's face it, even with the downturn right now in the public opinion of uh, electrification they're still moving towards electrification. So I don't yeah. think they're going to do they're, anything special. They're still working on that. those things, of course. That They had the Nissan Frontier in their booth as well, which mm-hmm. was a kind of a race, off-road race perhaps. Is that the one truck. with the V8? No, it actually had a... It was actually a competing truck with stock power. Oh, wait. Was uh, that the one that... It was um, the Nora Yeah, it uh, did. Rally. It won. It won its class. Yeah, it did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they had that... So, of course, they're looking at many different avenues, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking at pickup trucks, even though the Titan is going away. Yeah. Uh, they're still thinking about, like, what could replace it in the future, right? Mm. Um, so Safari Z, amazing. Um, Sentra, well, a lot of people who buy Sentras may want to spice them up later, right? So maybe put some wheels and tires on it, some suspension components I've on seen it. that quite a bit, especially yeah. if you go towards, and nothing, nothing wrong with this, but like in Tennessee, Mississippi, those areas where the plants are and where a lot of employees get discounts on those Nissan products, I tend to find a lot of Sentras and Altimos in those areas, and then a lot of people tend to make them look nicer, uh, beef them up a little bit, or even make them a little bit more race-worthy. So... That's kind of cool. Of course, they don't make them look like this 911 that uh, Andre just brought up on the page, a GTS R, R, GT3 RS, pardon me. That's a little much. Uh, yeah, so then there were a few stock vehicles, too, Yeah, like this GT3 RS. But what catches my eye, um, and there was like a Carrera GT in certain booths. There were some, you know, But Porsche exotic. wasn't there in themselves. No, 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 not Porsche themselves. Right. This is just cars that usually, you know what they usually show off is like, protective film or ceramic coatings or like window film, like window tinting, Maybe wheels, or something uh, like wheels that. and yeah. tires. Yeah, yeah. So these are very high-end cars that, you know, just that little extra, you know, pr- protect your paint or, you know, just make it a little bit nicer. Right. So I, I just took a picture because it just kind of really smacked me in the face with its red wheels. And, uh, it's, actually, it just, it's, it's a beautiful car. Yeah, I can imagine the owner of that pulling up and telling his employees, "Yeah, you like this car? Well, if you guys work twice as hard, I can buy another one next year." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but look, this uh, uh, 911 GT3 RS could probably drive underneath the truck. That's right next, next to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they pair them up like that. Uh, but this is the outside section. So yeah, this, this is, is just kind of a collection yeah. of different, uh, different vehicles. So. Now, the other thing that happens at SEMA is there's actually live driving. So they have a whole bunch of uh, drifting, massive demos with that and some power very stuff. Very smoky, very loud. Right. And they also have a, dra- uh, a long cruise as well, I believe. I don't remember if that's happening well, so on Fridays. Usually it's a parade, like the exit yeah. parade. That's the cruise, they call it. Yeah. But now it's integrated into the SEMA Fest, which is also a concert, right? Right. So, and that's amazing. So if you're in Vegas on Friday, well, I, I guess we're publishing it 
just after this happened. So if if you enjoyed it, please let us know. Let us know if you enjoyed it. So <laughs> sorry that we're a little off with our timing. But there's some good news here. First of all, the attendance seems to have matched or possibly better than last year's, regardless of the fact that huge news, Stellantis wasn't there. And yeah, and, and there were no new vehicle intros. And by that, I mean like manufacture new vehicles. Usually, you know, uh, at least over the past, I'd say five or six years, a lot of automakers like to at least show off one car like, here, here's our SEMA debut, because they're trying to feed into that particular segment, that public, you know. And in this case, not really. They showed some, you know, rare vehicles. They showed some uh, special ones, but nothing in terms of a brand new vehicle. Well, for example, the Tacoma X Runner, mm, which is a truck topic, yeah. uh, is a lowered street worthy concept truck. Sure. But the word is concept, right? It's not a production so, vehicle. Uh, even though they could, like, they could listen to you guys if you said build the X Runner now. If you wanted that, mm -hmm. they Toyota might listen to that. Well, and that's the point of doing yeah. these concepts, right? So let's quickly talk about Stellantis not being there because this is huge news. The past several years that we've been there, Jeep, Ram and Dodge have had a massive presence at SEMA. Last year, Dodge had this huge, one of the largest booths there where they had a whole bunch of their Chargers and Challengers scattered all over the floor. They had this huge uh, screen up with Vin Diesel talking about family, heritage, and blah, 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 blah. And, and also, and they had their big Hemis. Yes. And also an electric Dodge concept. That's right. They had their electric Dodge concept out there too. And loud music, we couldn't even get a minute to film without the loud music. It's really hard to film when you have loud music, not just because it gets in the way, but also because there's copyright issues. And so we can't film with that. That's a whole different story. But that was just one booth. Then Jeep was everywhere. All the Mopar stuff, by the way, I forgot to mention Mopar yes. is usually all over the place. None of that was there this year. I mean, there were individuals who brought in their own vehicles, yeah. their own builds that you know were you know built by Stellantis. But Stellantis themselves, they were a no-show. Why was that? It's because of the strike that was recently basically resolved, but they still need to vote and do yeah, all, it, all bunch of things. Yeah, it's almost resolved, I yeah. would say. Yeah. And actually, the big three, so all Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors, they all reached tentative agreements mm -hmm. with the UAW union on resolving the strike and actually restarting the factories that were closed and and all the suppliers that were affected by this too. It's right. It's not just the customers who are affected by this and it's not just the pocketbook of the automakers. There are hundreds if not thousands of suppliers for each automaker that aren't able to send their goods. Now there is one positive here. Mm. A lot of suppliers were having a really difficult time with their own supply because of all the shortages that really manifested throughout the pandemic. Now some of them have a little bit of a backlog so they're able to, you know, uncork these, you know, uh, issues and let them flow back to the automaker. I'm not saying that's going to help production because right now, for those of you who are waiting for a vehicle on a production line, guess what? You're going to have to wait even longer in most cases. Yeah. And so Stellantis, you know, obviously made a decision. They also pulled out out of Los Angeles at a show. Yeah. At the same announcement that they made. Um, and then, so hopefully next year they will return. And also 
bring some new products like the updated Ram 1500 that's coming soon. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that we may see that perhaps as early as the Chicago show at this point, if they, if they stay with that. Which is February that. at this point. Right. Yeah. So maybe that'll happen. But by Stellantis not being there, and we're not even talking about L.A. L.A. is still a month off. Uh, well, actually, less than that actually, now. It's like three, three, three weeks, weeks off yeah. now. Wow. Um, but the deal is, is that by pulling out and removing their product from there, it gave a huge boost to Toyota, who I think next in line had the largest, uh, you know, Absolutely. Toyota and Lexus combined. Yeah. Yeah. And that was huge. And another bit of news that's really important for some of you fans out there, Honda made a return to SEMA. They've been gone for years, so they officially returned as well. So it's an interesting mixed bag. And yeah, there was bad news. I really think it was sad that Stellantis had to pull out. I think there were money issues tied into the strike. And they're simply like, you know, we're not going to pound our chest while we're in the middle of this thing. Now that hopefully it's been resolved, perhaps that they'll, they'll reconsider Los Angeles, although I doubt it. Uh, but I think it's possible that we may see them at either Detroit or Chicago. Exactly. So overall, great news. Um, if you want to see some more details uh, from SEMA, please check out OLTFL.com. We have several videos. We have too. several videos yeah. based on, you know, trucks. And I have a truck podcast focused on this. Um, also, I saw the most luxurious and the most expensive and the most, I think, detailed Mercedes Sprinter Overland van that I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen Lots of them. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot it, out it there. It smacked me in the face. Really? So check out OLTFL.com, please. Um, and also, there's a super-sized Jeep truck that super you must sized. see. Okay. Yeah. But but once again, check out OLTFL.com. That's right, guys. If you manage to get to SEMA, um, regardless of whether or not you went to the public event or you were able to get there uh, under other... <laughs> <laughs> you had a cousin who owned a gas station. You know, I mean, we've heard some interesting ways of getting into that. Anyway, uh, let us know below in the comments what you thought of this year's show and what you'd like to see at next year's show. We definitely want to see some changes ourselves. So we're yeah. curious about your perspective as well. And also get involved, right? SEMA will have and currently has actually public, just private membership. Mm -hmm. And why would you join SEMA membership? Well, it's because it's important, you know, all the um, regulations that the government in, uh, imposes on manufacturers. Right. SEMA tries to reconcile all, that, all those things. Bigger tires. Mm -hmm. We don't want people to outlaw bigger tires. Yep. Uh, heavier bumpers. We don't want those to get outlawed either. SEMA so, represents people who will go and fight legally to make sure that these components can stay on your vehicle or be built for your vehicle. And they've already done quite a bit. There's a lot going on behind the scenes with SEMA and other organizations like SEMA allowing you guys to actually work on your car by yourself without having to go to the automaker or, you know, face possible legal reper um, repercussions. These are all things that they're working on. So it is important to support an organization like SEMA and other organizations like them. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. And hopefully, I think uh, Roman will be here next week. Yes, yes, he will be back. And he'll be fresh back from Japan. Hopefully, he brought us a lot of sushi. <laughs>